Good morning. Uh, I am really excited and terrified to be doing this. Um, uh, this was something that was uh, on my heart, I would say, back in January of uh, this year. Um, I saw this subject on a movie trailer, actually, and uh, I kind of prayed about it, you know, and uh, I, I spoke on this subject uh, in May to our, to our youth group. And uh, I knew it was something I had to jump on because I usually don't get spiritual callings like this unless I'm in Panama City at Big Stuff. So uh, Now, since we're just starting to roll into this, if my slide is up, uh, next slide, please. And click it again. Uh, how many of you guys remember where you were when you heard about the Paris bombings? Just a sh show of hands, this past November. Uh, I actually remember that day pretty well. Um, I was in my football team's locker room. Uh, it was a Friday, and we were still uh, waiting to get dressed and everything get dressed out. And I was on Twitter, and I saw a video of the soccer game that was going on when the bombings went off. And uh, usually when something like that happens, you know, it kind of burns into your mind and heart. You know, you know where you were when that happened. Next slide, please. Uh, the shootings at Columbine High School on April 20th, 1999, were kind of like that. Uh, 13 people were killed by two gunmen, and uh, my message today, uh, what I saw the movie trailer on, is actually about the girl on the right, Rachel Joy Scott, who was given a question, do you believe in God, before she was killed, and she said she did. Now, I'm just simply here to try and carry the torch that Rachel was forced to drop. Uh, now, the question always comes up when things like Paris happen and Columbine happen, where was God? Why was God asleep on that day? But he never sleeps. He never does sleep. God is always with us no matter what. Uh, I believe that he was in the same place that he was when his son died on the cross 2,000 years ago. He will always be around us. And he was in the same place where he allowed Rachel's brother Craig to escape that day, but let Rachel uh, go to the kingdom. Now, if we believe in God, and we believe that he is sovereign and he is all-knowing, how many of you guys believe that God is all-knowing, knows the end from the beginning, no matter what? Now, I know that not only because we have, you know, a book that tells us that, but because Rachel also left a series of diary entries that uh, sort of tell you that God prepared her heart before she was killed. The two men that made this happen uh, were preparing evil in their hearts. And Rachel was having her heart prepared for that sacrifice to be made. Now, some of the most important people in this nation are beginning to wake up and realize that they don't have what it takes. They don't have the answers of what causes Columbine. There have been many school shootings since then, and they just don't have the answers. They're beginning to wake up and realize that. And that's why I've heard, and Scott mentioned this before, that a lot like him have given up on our past generations because they chose what we can and cannot do when it comes to God. And it is, uh, that's why I'm here, because I believe in us, I believe in my generation, I believe in our youth group, and I believe in God through us. I believe uh, we have a lot of willingness to make sacrifices that may need to be made. Because uh, evil is getting worse in this country and in this world, uh, but God's people are also getting really stronger and getting better. 
and there's that split between godliness and ungodliness, and you have to choose which way to go. Uh, now, I admit, I, already, I mentioned around the beginning that this is something that God had spoken to my heart, and I wanted to really take advantage of it. Uh, because when God speaks to your heart, you need to listen because you never know when he's going to use it. You know, uh, I never knew that, you know, I would be speaking about this to my youth group, and now I'm in front of the congregation doing it. So it kind of shows that God has a sense of humor in that way. Uh, uh, John Tomlin, a student who went to Columbine, always left a Bible open on the dash of his truck in the parking lot, just hoping that somebody might walk by and take time to read it. And in the days after he was killed at Columbine, that Bible on his truck was seen around the world on CNN and other stations, and it made a long-lasting impact. Be obedient to the Lord. Uh, now I'm going to transition to the diary entries uh, that Rachel had. Now Rachel b- believed that she, didn't want, she wasn't going to live long. She just felt that way. Uh, she had told her best friend that God had a purpose for her life and, she was gonna, and that he was going to use her to touch the young people of our nation. But she wasn't going li- to live to be very old to, to do it. And she didn't really know why, but she knew God was going to use her. Now here she was writing on March 1st, 1998. So this is a little over a year before she died. She writes these words. Dear God, sometimes when I'm craving your spirit, nothing happens. I think it's safe to say that we've all been there, right? You pray and pray and pray for something, and it seems like God is a thousand miles away. Uh, God will never leave you. He will never forsake you. But sometimes it seems like he's pretending to. Sometimes it seems like he's pretending to forsake us. And sometimes the reason he does that is to enable us to grow up. If we just had our hands held and just took baby steps, there would be no temptation in this country. There would be no temptation in this world. Uh, But she goes on to say, Why have I been able to keep faith like a child until now? Why do I have to question your existence? Now this is important to show you guys because it tells you that one week she could be up, another week she could be down. Uh, I don't think it's right to necessarily put people like Rachel and John Tomlin on pedestals because we're all, in the end, we're all called to lay our lives down no matter what for Christ. Uh, It's just that some of us go on a daily plan of giving little by little for him, doing little things for Christ daily. Uh, Some of you in this room may be called to lay your life down, but uh, I promise you he will prepare your heart for it no matter what. Now the tone changes in her diary and she says, I don't understand. I want to feel you in my mind, heart, soul, and life. I want heads to turn in the hall when I walk by. I want them to stare at me watching and wanting the life that you've put into me. I want you to use me to reach the unreached. And that prayer was answered. She reached the unreached because at her funeral, which was aired on CNN, many people, thousands of people gave their lives to Christ after that funeral. It's just that sometimes... Prayers can be answered, just not in the way that we would want it, just not in the way that Rachel's family would have wanted it. She goes on to say, I have such a desire and passion to serve you, but I want to do that now. I want to know and serve you now. I want heads to turn now. I want faith like a child now. I want to feel you in my mind, heart, soul, and life now. I'm crying out and asking for your spirit now. Now, seven days later, this is a week later, March 8th, 1998, she says, 
God, I have this terrible, sharp, dull pain in my stomach. I don't know if it's a spiritual feeling, but if it is, I ask you to bless it. Now, she had told her sister that it felt like God was preparing her for something, but she didn't know exactly what it was. She had wrote this poem, which is on the screen. It's just really big. Uh, Just passing by, just coming through, not staying long. I always knew this home I have will never last. April 20th, 1998. So this is exactly one year before she was killed. She says, it's like I have a heavy heart and this burden upon my back, and I don't know what it is. There's something in me that makes me want to cry, and I don't even know what it is. Things have definitely changed. Last week was so hard. I lost all my friends at school, and now that I begin to walk my talk, they make fun of me. I don't even know what I've done. I don't even have to say anything, and they turn me away. But you know what? It's all worth it to me. I'm not going to apologize for speaking the name of Jesus. I'm not going to justify my faith to them, and I'm not going to hide the light that you have put into me. If I have to sacrifice everything, I will. If my friends have to become my enemies in order to be with my best friend Jesus, then that is fine with me. Now, a couple of weeks later, this is May 2nd, she wrote, This will be my last year, Lord. I've gotten what I can. Thank you. Now, it's hard to tell if Rachel exactly you know, knew all that would be going on, but you can tell that God is preparing her for a sacrifice to made in the future. You can tell that God really has her heart. Uh, now, look at this picture on the screen. This was drawn in her journal, and uh, it's extremely blurry, but inside the fish, there is a verse from John fifteen thirteen, and it's, Greater love hath no man than this, than he who lays his life down for his friends. And on the right, there's a rose, and it's growing out of a columbine flower. And that is like really, uh, it was really hard for me to understand, you know, what exactly that meant other than, you know, the symbolism of a columbine flower. And then I heard this story about Daryl Scott, who was Rachel's father. He had gotten a call from a man, this is shortly after Rachel's death, he had gotten a call from a man who was living in Ohio named Frank, named Frank. And he told Daryl that he saw Rachel's funeral on CNN. And after he said that, Darryl, he said that Daryl was on his heart and he had, that he had been praying for him. He told Daryl that the reason he was calling him was because the night after the funeral, he had a dream about Rachel's eyes. And he said that in the dream, Rachel had tears flowing out of her eyes and they were watering something, but he couldn't tell exactly what it was. And so he asked her dad if that meant anything to him, and he said it didn't. And so he said, if it ever does mean anything to you, will you promise to call me? And Daryl was like, you know, okay, I will. Four days later, Daryl had gotten a call from the sheriff's department and the sheriff had told them that they had Rachel's backpack because, they, because she had a backpack on the day she was killed. The day she was killed, she was eating lunch with a friend, and, she had, and uh, <clears throat> Eric and Dylan walked by and shot her, and the, and the bullet went through her backpack. After going inside the cafeteria for a while, they came back outside, and Rachel was still on the ground. Eric Harris walked over and pulled her head up by her hair and asked, do you still believe in God? Because he knew that he had talked to her about God. And she said, and he said, do you still believe in God? And she said, yes, I do. And he shot her again and it killed her. So the last words she heard on earth were, do you still believe in God? And the next words she heard were coming from God himself saying, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Now, uh, Frank, uh, Daryl Scott 
when he had gotten her backpack, he looked in her diary and he turned to the very last page. And as you can see, there are eyes and there are 13 clear tears coming out of the eyes and 13 people died on Columbine. They're watering the, the rose, the same rose that was on the picture with the verse, greater love hath no man than this, than he lay his life down for his friends. In 1962, they said that we don't need God where our kids are concerned anymore. Next slide. And they took him out. After 170 years of having him there, we took him out. And ever since then, the moral fiber of our education system began to crumble. So I believe it's up to our generation to speak the truth of God. By our mouth and by our actions. And that is a challenge I believe all the youth in this room can meet. Now obviously most Christians won't have to pay the same price that Rachel did. So if we live our lives the way she did live her short life, we can, learn, we can lead many people to Christ in our generations and generations to come. Rachel impacted thousands of lives for Christ at her funeral. Our goal should be to impact lives for Christ daily as we live. Next slide. Now, I'm just going to close on some discussion questions. Uh, the first question, how can we make an impact for the kingdom? Second question. How can our church make an impact in this community? Third question. What do you do when your faith is put to the test? Now, group one will be the first section over here. Just find some people near you and discuss that. Second uh, section, discuss the second question. And then same for the third group on the third question.
So uh, I assume we were able to discuss a little bit about those topics. Uh, we're just going to start for this group first. Is there anybody that uh, had a really good answer that really stuck out to them? Anybody like to say, say anything? Yes, in the back. Hi. Um, we were just talking about how we can make an impact for the kingdom of God. And um, one of the things that, um, that we, we talked about is that um, God wants to move in our time um, through us. And fear sometimes can, sometimes can stop us from moving ahead and acting in his love. When Jesus walked the earth... And he looked at people. He saw them. And he saw them with love. He saw through their brokenness. Through their pain. Through their hardship. And he had compassion on them. And, and we ha- God lives in us. His spirit lives in us. And he wants, and he wants to move in us. Just like he moved while, while he work, walked the earth. And he wants us to look at people through their brokenness and through their hardship, through their pain, and act in compassion to not let them die in that loneliness or that brokenness. So the one thing that will stop us from being able to do that sometimes is fear. Fear of what people may say. Fear of how people may reproach us or how they may treat us after that. But the Bible said that that those who are his will listen to to what we have to say about God, about Jesus, and they will receive it. And those who are not will mock us. And that's okay. They mocked him. And if they mocked him, they will mock us as well. But that will be count as a blessing to us. Well, it may, may be counted as a blasphemy to them. But he wants us to be obedient. And when we are obedient, we'll break through that fear, that is holiness, from telling the world how wonderful, how amazing his love is for us. That's one way that we can make an impact to, to the kingdom of God. Good. Thank you. Would anybody else like to share? Yeah, I'm just going to say something real quick, Scott. (laughs) It's a joke in the youth group. So, really, it seems to me like the the main theme that Jesus even said was that the greatest of these is love, right? So, we impact the kingdom for him when we love each other. And one thing we talked about in our group was that, you know, that sometimes... We can go and be a good Christian and go around and love other people, but at home, are we loving our people at home, too? Because that impacts the kingdom, too. Because when they leave home, they go out into the world, and what kind of an impact are they going to have then, you know? And Chuck was talking about a movie, it's called Four Feathers, and he was talking about a guy, and I don't, I don't know that whole story, but, I mean, you just told it, but I can't remember all that. So... <laughs> He's told it to me before, which is even worse because I still can't remember it. But, but in, the, in the movie, there's a guy that comes across another guy and he says, why are you helping me? He goes to help this guy and he goes, why are you helping me? And he says, the other guy says, because God put you in my path, you know, and I can't, what did you, and I can't say no to God. 
he puts you in my path and I can't say no to God. And so if we would think about our life like that and don't like divert off the path because we know somebody's in our path because God put us there, put them there, you know, go down that path, go down whatever path God sends you down and act in love and compassion and know that you can't say no to God. I mean, you really can't. And if you say yes to God, it just can't be anything but awesome. So awesome. Uh, for question two in group two, anybody have an answer for that possibly? Scott, Scott, Scott. Ashley, 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 Ashley. Thank you. Okay, just talk. Okay. Well, I think I might have missed something because I suggested that the youth get with one person that's older, and apparently that's mentoring. <laughs> so they kind of laughed, but. I think that it would be important if maybe once a month someone who's older gets with someone in the youth and we go out and do an act of kindness. Um, It could be putting popcorn on a red box with a note saying this one's on me or just going to a house that we feel called to and talking with them. Uh, The theme is connection, being authentic, being true. So yes, you could be doing an act of service but be true in what you're doing. So And through that, it's a full circle of growth. So you have wisdom, but you also have a childlike nature. So through that, you're experiencing something through the youth and being like a child, but also it's giving an opportunity for you to express wisdom to that youth. If the youth is what we're trying to build up to give out into our community, then the youth is who we should be spending time with. Something else that I like to do that's fun is taking quarters and putting them in the little candy vending machines at, like, Walmart for kids because they always go over and play with those things. And if, like, they get something, then they get all excited and they don't know how because they didn't get a quarter from mom. And it's, I mean, you're not there to see it, but it's just something fun. So, I'm going to speak because my wife's too bashful, and most of these are really her ideas. First of all, I think we've started as a church uh, with what we're doing at Aspen Creek, and I really uh, admire all those that are involved in that, and I, uh, all the way from serving breakfast on opening day to where we're going with the garden eventually. I, I think that's a, a great start. I think one other thing we could do that I've been involved in in the past is mentorship of some kids over at over at Aspen, uh, uh, I've been involved when I was a member first United at Eugene Field, and I just know there's so many of those children that are from one-parent homes. Uh, a lot of them don't have a father figure, uh, and they, not only fathers but mothers. I mean, they they need guidance. The girls need guidance, and and, and so do the boys. And I just think that's something we could do as a church. Uh, if you get these kids young teach them some values that maybe they're not getting at home, I think we can have a big impact on their lives. Our third section over here. Hi. Um, Okay, so our question was, what do you do when your faith is put to the test? Um, and I think that's interesting because faith is an action. And what better way to talk about faith than the Bible? Um, it says in Hebrews 11, 1, 
Now, faith is the confidence of what we hope for and the assurance of what we do not yet see. Um, I uh, think that faith is not something that we can always talk about openly um, because of fear. But I believe that when you believe in something greater than yourself, that fear subsides and it goes away because just like any bully, just like any um, awkward thing that goes on in our own lives, um, I believe with God all things are possible. And that even though we don't see what's going on, we believe um, in something greater. So... So, um, yeah, question right there. So, um, what do you do when your faith is put to the test? Well, um, sometimes when our faith is really put to the test, a lot of us have difficulty with that because we're like, what if I don't, you know, pass the test, I guess? What if I'm not good enough? Like, I know a lot of us probably think like that, but, you know, a really, really, really smart person told me, you've got to have confidence in yourself that you're going to pass the test to be able to do that. And um, I think that's, like, a really good analogy. And, like, and I know some of us, like, think things like, well, I'm not, I'm not good enough. Like, I'm not good enough for stuff like that. And, but Jesus thinks you're good enough. So, you know, you must be good enough, right? <laughs> so, yeah. Like, so, like, everyone goes through kind of that point in their life where they're like, well, my faith is put to the test, but how, how am I going to pass it? But you'll work it out because, you know, if Jesus thinks you're good enough, you must be good enough. So, yeah. Okay, so we, I think, would all hope to have a faith like Rachel, to never deny Jesus in that kind of situation when our faith is put to the test. Um, I know that's my greatest hope, but God has got over the storm and God did not leave Jesus in the garden alone. He did not leave him. He did not forsake him, not on the cross, not in the garden, not ever. He was with him the whole time. So when your faith is put to the test, you seek his face first and always, and he will lead you through it and he will guide you through it and you will never be left alone. Well, uh, <clears throat> like I said uh, around the start, uh, this was actually this actually came up to me through a movie trailer because there will be a movie coming out about Rachel's life uh, in September, I believe. It was supposed to be uh, released on the, uh, April 20th, but uh, it got moved up, and I believe we have the trailer up here. It's Tuesday, April the 20th, 1999. We have a clear, sunny spring morning in the Denver metro. When the bombs blow up, it's going to be awesome. If 
Only we would have reached them sooner. <laughs> or, or found this I'm not ashamed. Uh, this youth group isn't ashamed, and this church isn't ashamed. And uh, we have a beautiful facility in the making back here, the AUMAC, uh, that will bring many people from this community to Christ. Because it's not just, just for playing basketball or volleyball or whatever, but it's going to help lead people to Christ. So I encourage you this morning, if you feel a calling, if you feel Jesus calling you to him, take that offering. Thank you guys again. Thank you, Pastor Chris, for calling me last week to do this. Don't regret it. And I'll pass it over to Scott or Pastor Chris. seems to be turning towards darkness uh, for us to see light like that in this generation. What a thrill. What an assurance. They know the hope, and I thank God for that. With the same boldness that they share their faith and what they, they believe, let's let them be an example to us. Uh, that we might share the truth of our Lord, maybe not at gunpoint, maybe not in just one shining moment, but to have the obedience and the discipline to pour ourselves out into connection with others wherever God has placed us. If this morning you want to walk with a God that will forever walk with you, if you want to join a church, that holds each other up to live a life 
that honors Christ. We invite you to come forward and join the church. We invite you to come to this altar where so many of us have knelt and received Christ. We invite you to be a part of this life, the only life, that's really worth living. A life lived with Jesus. Would you stand? Lord God, we pray for our youth today as well. We thank you for their lives. We thank you for their example. We thank you for their leadership. We thank you for you that we see in them. God, we pray that you would raise up a whole generation like them. May they be a contagion in this country. May they be a contagion in this world. That our world might turn to you. We thank you that they're not waiting to be the church of tomorrow. That they are not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God unto salvation for anyone who believes. Let us this morning be, God, one of those whosoevers who believe in you. We trust you. We come to you. We commit our lives to you. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.